0: You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Today I want to speak on the subject of more grace, more grace. I don't know about you, but I need grace in my life, and I need more grace every day. I'm thankful for the unselfish service of those who serve to protect our freedoms. Thank you to all of you who have served and do serve in the military. Specifically, we honor those today who have paid the ultimate price and who have laid down their life for our freedoms. We understand that freedom isn't free and America is home of the free because of the brave, and I honor our military today. It's hard to escape the military thread in Scripture. Some of the greatest moments that we read about in the Bible and the ones that provide us the greatest inspiration and insight are moments that involve a military experience, Think about some of your favorite characters in Scripture. Most likely at some point it involved conflict. It involved battle. It involved something that required a military response. Abraham battled enemies. Moses led military excursions. Joseph, or Joshua I should say, fought the battle of Jericho. Gideon won a decisive victory over the enemy of God's people with just 300 men, some clay pots and trumpets. Samson would wreak havoc on the Philistines and David would kill Goliath and set in motion a great military conquest against the enemy of God's people. On and on you read examples of this military experience and if you were to look at the Hall of Faith In Hebrews chapter 11, many of the names listed were on the front lines of military action. Military battles are some of the greatest and clearest pictures of our spiritual existence. So much so that Paul would use military language in much of his writing to the church. We know that not everyone in the early church was in the military, just like in our Church today. Not everyone is in the military, but Paul seemed to come back to this idea of a military experience. And like us today, although they might not have been in the military or have been in some kind of conflict like that, they were probably connected to someone in the military, and everyone easily understood the implications of the military and its role in society. It's hard to find anybody that doesn't have a relative that is in the military. Paul wrote things like this in 2 Corinthians chapter ten three. He wrote to the, to, to the church in the city of Corinth. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. To the church in the city of Ephesus, he wrote, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor 2 Timothy 2 3, you therefore, Timothy, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one entangled in warfare, or no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Time and time again, Paul references and pushes the the lens of this idea of military and the theme of military. It's found over and over, the metaphor of the military in Scripture. And it is challenging. And I would argue it's important, very important for us to understand. Today, I would like to consider a Scripture that is not always associated with a military lens, but gives us an important perspective. Somewhat hidden in the writing of James is a powerful passage that has a military context. Interestingly, James wrote to a group of people who had been dispersed because of the use of force. They were persecuted and scattered by a dominant Jewish force and backed by a Roman army. So James writes to them, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with God is enmity, or friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Think about the context of this. They are oppressed, they're persecuted they have experienced the full weight of military power yet james says look at your own life you too have a war fighting going on and it's going on not on the outside but on the inside of you your life is a battle zone and it's not people that you're fighting but it's your own desires Your spiritual man is at war with your carnal man. And how true it is, if we never faced any issues from anyone else, you and I would face the reality and have faced the reality of war in our own mind. And the Bible says that the spirit of God that dwells in us is not indifferent to this reality the spirit of god that you received when you received his spirit and you spoke in other tongues when that happened to you god took up residence he became the the one in charge but yet there was a battlefield that existed on the inside and the spirit of god is not easy to relinquish its control but in fact, James said, the spirit of God is jealous, meaning God has a strong desire to take up resident and have residence in your life. In other words, the spirit of God that dwells in you is trying to conquer and lay claim to our mind just as our human nature and desire lays claim to our mind and is trying to win the day. God's desire is to be in relationship to his creation. And so when you and I were filled with his spirit, it was a reconciliation of sorts. It was a coming together. And so God cares about that, and he cares about our thoughts and our minds. And so when you and I choose to serve the pleasures of our lives and the desires of our flesh... We actually are are warring spiritually against God. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It's not talking about having friends outside of the church. He's talking about a mindset that becomes worldly in its viewpoint. And so when we allow the pleasures of our life to win the day, we are actually at war with God. And it says, do you think that the Spirit, or the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. That God is not indifferent to this idea. But the Scripture says, but in spite of this, he gives more grace. In spite of this desire in us that pushes away God, there's something about God that says, I want to give more grace. As if my first grace that I gave you was not enough, I want to give you more. Therefore, he says, God, resist the proud but gives grace to the humble. I, I don't know about you, but I, I want and I need the grace of God in my life. But it says, God, resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And it's so powerful to think that in spite of my desires, that God's grace is constantly reaching, in spite of my passions that cause me to be at war with god god keeps coming with grace god keeps coming to us to bring grace more than we could imagine more than we could deserve more grace james gives us this sense of reality that our pleasures are at war with god god's giving more grace but he wants us to understand something and if we're to receive this grace, it comes one way. It says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. The scary part of this verse is that it said, God resists the proud. This word resist is not just a rolling of the eyes where God says, man, I hate that that's going on, or the holding out of an arm, but it means that God will go to war against the proud. He will array a battle against the proud, not because he is against people, but he understands that with pride there is no way anyone would ever find God. So he goes against pride, and he fights against it. And I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in going to war against God. I know in my life that I have allowed pride to win, and I know in my life that I have pushed God away with my pride. But I'm appealing to us today to allow God to reign and rule in our life and not to allow our own desires, our own pride to win because it says that God will give grace to the humble. Grace comes to the humble. Favor comes to the humble. Help from God comes to the humble. I would argue today that humility is the greatest character trait of humanity. It's the greatest character trait that you could ever embrace. Reminded of Winston Churchill, who was asked, doesn't it thrill you to know that every time you make a speech, the hall is packed and overflowing? It's quite flattering, replied Sir Winston But whenever I feel that way, I always remember that if instead of making a political speech, I was being hanged, the crowd would be twice as big. We have no reason to be proud in our life. We have nothing in our life to be proud of other than the grace of God. If it were not for the grace of God, where would we be? There's no success in this life that could be be somehow brought in to be measured by our own good work, our own good will, but only by the grace of God. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less This idea of knowing that God actually might know what he's doing. So I surrender my heart to him. So how then do we become humble? How do we humble ourselves? Certainly there are people in our life that would love to fill that role for you, to humble you. James chapter 4 Verse 6, he says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Then he says, therefore, because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit. To God, How do we humble ourselves? We submit to God. At first glance, this word submit could just simply be viewed as the idea of relinquishing control to God. And that it could mean. Or just the willingness to go along with what God wants. Or even in a MMA context to just tap out. To say, okay, God, you win. But in its context, the word submit has a military connotation that means to fall in rank. This word was a Greek military term meaning to arrange troops, troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. And herein we see a very clear picture of what it means to submit to God. You place yourself under the command of God in a military context. I was talking to retired Army officer Pete Cole Morgan. Pete served in the war, Iraq War. from December of 2004 to December of 2005. And I want to thank him for his unselfish service to our country. Not only do we appreciate his love to our country, but he serves our church and our families by providing amazing children's ministry as well as serving our community as a Shriner Clown. Thank you, Brother Pete calvary loves you pete was telling me how important the chain of command process is in the military it is the lifeblood of its success it's the structure the discipline the organization of the military that sense of chain of command that somebody is in charge It is the process by which commands are sent down. It's the process by which missions are accomplished. And understanding and accepting your rank is absolutely vital to not only every person in the military, but every mission in the military. You may not agree. You may not like it. You may not enjoy it. But it is critical that you follow the chain of command. When you sign up to be in the military, you sign up to follow the chain of command. Pete said uh, the chain of command did not mean there wasn't dialogue or that you couldn't offer other solutions. However, the ultimate responsibility of every soldier is to follow the chain of the command that comes from the person over them. So when James says, submit to God, remember now, he is talking in military terms throughout this section of Scripture. He said, fights and wars happen because of your desires. But God resists, God battles against the proud. So James says, if you want to experience more grace, if you want to experience the true favor of God, if you want the full measure of God's purpose realized in your life, you have to fall under the command of God. Let him be your commander. And in the military... Rank is powerful because rank tells you how you relate with others. It tells you where you will get your commands from. It tells you who you answer to, what your role is. Humility is necessary in the military because humility sets you up to do the mission. Why do they have soldiers go through boot camp? Why do they press them and stress them? Because the military understands that pride causes insubordination. And insubordination is when a service member willingly disobeys the lawful order of a superior officer. And insubordination will sabotage the mission. And so God is saying that if you want my favor, if you want to experience all that I have for you, I want you to put yourself under my command. Put yourself under my authority. You see, those in the military understand exactly what I'm saying today. But those of us in civilian life, we don't necessarily understand this as well. And it's something that we, we kind of push up against in our culture It's foreign to us in an American culture of free But we understand when it comes to mission It's so critical We find the power of this mindset When Jesus was told about a centurion A commander in the Roman army Who had a servant who was sick The centurion was had been kind to the Jewish people and he had even helped build their synagogue. He had come to put his faith in Jesus Christ, but he himself did not really believe that Jesus would have time for him due to his position in the Roman army. But he had compassion on his sick servant and so he sends some of his Jewish friends to talk to Jesus and see if Jesus might come to heal. His sick servant. And so the Jewish elders go to Jesus and they petition Jesus. And Luke chapter 7, verse 6 says, Jesus went with them. And when he had already, when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. The centurion was saying, I- I'm not worthy for you to come to my place. Therefore, he said, I-, I-, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. He said, for I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. This centurion, this commander, understood the power of authority, the power of rank, the power of chain of command. And watch what Jesus says. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And then those that were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. This centurion understood the power of the chain of command. And when the centurion identified this sense of authority, Jesus said, that is great faith. When you and I submit ourselves to God, We submit ourselves to God. It's not an act of just something that is a work that we accomplish on our own, but it's an act of faith that understands that if God could create the entire world, that he might just understand what we need to do with our life to accomplish the mission on this earth. And God's grace is available to us today. God's grace is available to us today in spite of our faulty and wayward desires, in spite of our propensity towards selfishness and our thinking that gets sideways with the will of God. I tell you today that God's grace, God's grace keeps reaching. God's grace keeps pushing. And he says, if you'll submit to me, You'll submit to me. All you have to do is simply resist the devil and he flees. Why? Because the devil understands who's really in charge. So James said he gives more grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is such a profound passage of Scripture. Bishop Pasley II loved to preach from James chapter 4. He was one of the first ones to open my eyes to the power of this passage. In a message he preached entitled Victory to Victory. He said concerning this passage, If you're going to have any hope of being over Satan, you must first be under God. Your efforts and hope to fulfill the call to resist the devil are predicated on your life of submission to God. His power, his way, his words, his authority has to be active in your life. He said when I am not under God my efforts against the enemy are rendered useless and weak. My strength to defeat the enemy is directly linked to my submission to God. Otherwise I am vulnerable to temptation and I am doomed to fall to Satan's Attacks. Today. I feel God. Calling. And saying I've got grace. I've got abundant grace. I've got amazing grace. For you. More grace. Than you could ever handle. More favor. More help. Than you could imagine. But it begins with humility, You can walk your own way You can do your own thing But you're only setting yourself up To be overcome by your desires And your own pleasures Your own thinking but God said I've got help for you But you have to humble yourself You have to fall in rank You have to salute the master of your life, have to surrender your will to his will. You have to surrender your actions to his command. So what does humility look like for you today? What does submitting to God look like for you today? Is it simply obedience to the word of God? Have you repented of your sins? Have you been water baptized in the name of Jesus? Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So are you going to submit yourself to God today? Oh, that submission has a great reward, an eternal inheritance. Have you received God's spirit? Have you surrendered to the authority in his life? Are you walking a light that is pure? Have you surrendered to his plan for your life? Or are you letting your own desires win the day? Today, I tell you, he gives more grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I wonder where you're at if you would humble your heart to the Lord right now. You would humble yourself and say, God, I need you in my life. I acknowledge today that I can't win the battle against my mind. I can't win the battle against the enemy unless I am surrendered to you. And so today, would you bow your heart in repentance Would you just refresh yourself in the Lord to say, God, one more day, I surrender all of me to all of you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today for your grace, a grace that is amazing, a grace that is so undeserved, a grace, God, that you provided when you went to the cross and you died while we were yet sinners to give us an escape from the bondage and battle of sin. Oh, God, I pray that someone today would experience your profound grace today. Give them more grace than they thought was possible. As this day moves, I pray that your loving kindness would move on us. Your long-suffering, your patience, God, your love would find us today. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your name. Thank you for the opportunity to find your your forgiveness in our life today. Oh, God, we bow ourselves to you. We humble ourselves to you. We salute you today because you are our commander, Lord. And help us to be a good soldier. Help us to serve your mission and not our own.